I was talking to our mailman earlier this week, and he told me that the carriers were sent out on Tuesday morning without all the mail because all the trucks hadn't made it to Spartanburg from the distribution and sorting center in Greenville on time. They said, just go on, take what we've got, and we'll get the rest of it out later. Now, do you know why they didn't make it to Spartanburg on time on Tuesday morning? Well, apparently, rain, sleet, or snow, the U.S. mail has got to go does not apply when Clemson is playing in the national championship game because they had 40 people call in sick that night during the game. And so they were a little behind on getting the mail out. BMW, I'm told, got ahead of this. And evidently, they shut the plant down Monday night. However much money it costs to do that, that's what I'm told. Maybe that's a rumor. And gave pizza to everybody and said, just, just watch the game. Just, just watch the game. Now, why did they do that? Why did the mail carriers call in sick? Why did, why did BMW shut down the plant? Because watching Clemson play for the national championship was a big deal for a lot of people. You might say that, that they found Clemson football valuable, but it was something that they treasured. What do you find valuable? What do you, what do you treasure? Uh, what do you delight in? We're often told that the way you find what's valuable, what you delight in, what you treasure is Look at your checkbook, where do you spend your money? Uh, think about your thought life, what are the things you think about? What are the websites you visit? You know, this sort of thing. How do you spend your time? What does your calendar look like? These are ways that we can find what's truly valuable to us. But another way to, to figure out what you truly value is to ask yourself this question, what do I find delight in praising? What do I like to, to talk about? It might be something related to your work. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your, your grandchildren. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's football. Maybe it's politics. Whatever it is, we praise the things that are valuable to us. We, we talk about them. We like to talk about them. It brings us joy. Uh, last Monday night, in addition to the football game, we had a, a kickoff for our three ministry teams here at Grace Presbyterian Church. Uh, three teams, the worship team, which is a group of people making sure that, that everything that you see happen here on Sunday morning happens. Uh, the build team, which is responsible for building community and, and making disciples. Uh, and then the reach team, which is responsible for reaching out, outreach, uh, and for service as well. And what I want to do over the next three Sundays is to highlight each of these areas uh, in, in, in the sermon. And I want us to, to think about these areas. And if you're on one of these teams or if you're asked to help out in one of these areas, what I hope this does is to give you sort of a vision of what these teams are all about and what they're helping us to do as a church. If you're not on one of these teams, but you're just visiting or you're considering Grace Presbyterian Church, then I think this is a great three weeks for you to, to think about, okay, who are these people as a church? Because you're going to hear me talking about three areas that are important to us. Uh, as a church family. And you probably can guess from the lead-in by now that this morning we're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about worship. What are, what are these things that we treasure? Who is the one uh, that we're made to treasure? So uh, look with me, Psalm 95. Again, that should be on an insert in your bulletin. This is God's Word. 
O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to proof though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, um, we are here to worship you. And part of worshiping you is, is hearing from your word and giving heed to it. So, so God, I, I ask now that you would help me to speak plainly and clearly, uh, that you would speak through me, over and above me, even against me if necessary. Uh, but Father, work by your spirit now in the hearts of your people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the three things I want us to look at from Psalm 95, uh, the what of worship, the why of worship, and the how of worship. Pretty simple. The what of worship, the why of worship, and the how of worship. First of all, the what of worship. What is this thing called worship? Uh, verse 1 in the text, we see that it involves singing to God, making a joyful noise to God. Verse 2, uh, again, enter His presence. Again, making a joyful noise. Um, verse 6 involves bowing down and kneeling before God. Uh, worship has been defined as the work of acknowledging the greatness of our covenant Lord. And that's one way to think about it. I, 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 one of the best descriptions of, of worship I've read says, worship involves seeing what God is worth, treasuring Him, and giving Him what He's worth. Seeing what God is worth, treasuring Him, and giving Him what He's worth. I was reading some comments on Facebook the other, the other day about Nick Saban winning his fourth national championship at Alabama, and somebody said, if he keeps this up, they'll put a statue up of him. And I kind of laughed. And then a few comments later, somebody said, actually, they did that about three championships ago. Like, that's, that's already taken care of. And, and no, I'm not comparing Nick Saban to God in this illustration, so. Um, but, but do you see how, how, the, how they... They saw what he was worth to them. They treasured him. And they sought to, to recognize that in some way, to give him what he was worth. The Clemson fans, when they were leaving the stadium the other night, even though they had lost, they started breaking out in their CL, that, that cheer that they do, all right? And so, but you're like, why are they doing that? They just lost the football game. It was a heartbreaking game. Well, they saw what their team was worth, and they still treasured them, and they wanted to give them what they thought that they were worth. Now, I could be commenting on the idolatrous nature of football in the South, but that's not where I'm, not where I'm going this morning. I'm using those as, as illustrations of what praise and worship is 
with a, with a hopefully a, a little W, not a capital W. Uh, because our capital W worship is to be given to God and to God alone. He's to be our ultimate treasure. He's the one we're to, to love above all things. The first commandment that we talked about, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. The ultimate object of our worship, the one we're to treasure above all is God. But that leaves us in a bit of a dilemma, doesn't it? Because we looked at this text last week from Romans 1. We all, by nature, worship and serve created things instead of the Creator. We're, we're made to worship God. We're made to center our being on Him. But we reject Him. And when we reject Him, it's not that we worship nothing. We find other gods to worship instead. Uh, some of us have made use this year, perhaps you're using this book, Spark Joy. Uh, it's by Marie, I think it's Kondo, I don't know if I type pronounce her name, so forgive me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. But it's one of these organizational books, like clean up your life in a day kind of book. Uh, somebody was reviewing this book, and I want you to listen to what they, they wrote about this book. Here's what they learned. Clearly one's best life can only be lived against a backdrop as pristine and empty as an art gallery. I just love that line. From Pinterest to Instagram to the pages of Real Simple and Dwell, the same message rings loud and clear. Owning too much stuff is tantamount to actively choosing unhappiness. Kondo's central underlying message, her haunting subtext, and the primary reason for her massive popularity is that most of the stuff we own is not only pointless and deeply unnecessary and horribly burdensome in every single way, but it holds us back from growing into fully empowered, happy, satisfied people. Our extra stuff is not a sign of prosperity, it's a sign of our impoverishment. Advanced level condo in close up and detail means even more exquisite madness than ever before. Within the first few pages of her new book, the author has referred to tidying up as a once-in-a-lifetime special event and has hinted faintly at a God of tidying up who is always on your side as long as you're committed to getting it done. A God of tidying up who is always on your side as long as you're committed to getting it done. Look, is materialism harmful to us? Sure, yes. Is decluttering and organizing helpful? Yes, absolutely. But do you see how quickly just an ordinary thing, a good thing, becomes an ultimate thing? Becomes a saving thing even. My house must be pristine. I must keep the God of tidying up happy or I'm going to be miserable and unhappy. If we could all just declutter this year, we would be empowered, happy, satisfied people. If we don't find joy in the knowledge of God, we'll constantly be looking for a God replacement, even if it's something silly as making sure our house is always pristine. But because the human heart is an idol factory, we are constantly churning out God substitutes, things to build our lives on other than God. And it's against that backdrop then of us 
worshiping false gods that we're called to worship the true God. And so worship, is, as one person put it, involves pulling our affections off of our idols and placing them on God. Pulling our affections off of our idols and placing them on God. And that, that really says a lot about how we grow as believers as well. Uh, as, as each and every day we pull our affections off of our idols and place them on God. Well, that's the what of worship. What about the why of worship? Why should I worship God and not the stock market? Uh, why should I worship God and find my ultimate joy in, in Him and not in uh, an uncluttered house or how much I weight I lose in 2016? Why, why should I do this? Why worship God and not these other idols that, that seem like they bring me so much pleasure? Well, look at verse 3. The Lord is a great God. A great king above all gods. God's the the ruler. He's the the maker, the owner of of all things. The earth, the mountains, the sea. Uh, The people of the Old Testament were were tempted to worship gods that either didn't exist or were demonic even. And the psalmist may be saying here, look, you, you got people worshiping mountain gods and sea gods and land gods. Don't you know there's only one God? And he owns all of that. And you're made to worship him. Verse 8, let us kneel before our maker. He, he, God made all things. He created everything that you see. Uh, John Lucas this week was, was showing me this new screen they're making for, for computers and televisions. If you think, like a, a, think of like a piece of poster paper that you can roll up or stretch out put on the wall. This is going to be a screen like that. Right, so you can roll up your television, stick it in your pocket, and then unfold it. Or, you know, take it down, put a picture up, or whatever you want to do. And you know, when, when that comes out and Apple makes another billion dollars off of that, you know what? We'll all be, we'll be praising the maker. Oh, this guy is so amazing that made Look at this. This is unbelievable. It's a television. That, look at the creation. Look around you. Look at the, the human body. The, the God, the one God, the true God, made everything. Everything in existence, everything that you can see, the things that you can't see, the supernovas that are 80 billion light years away or whatever they are. He made all things. This is not just some cosmic accident. There is a maker, a creator who stands behind it, and we are to, to worship him. Now, the text says not only is he our great king and creator, verse 7, he is our God. He is our God. We are the people of his pasture. We are the sheep of his hand. Verse 1, he's the rock of our salvation. This God delivered us. In the Old Testament, the the big event in terms of God's redeeming love is the Exodus as he brings his people out of slavery in Egypt. But that's there for us and points us to the greater redeeming event of the New Testament where Jesus comes and delivers us from slavery to sin. And from death and from hell. God working to deliver us, saving us, bringing us into the joy of forgiven sins and eternal life. And so, if you're in Jesus Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that means you too can sing this song. You can find joy. You can say, He's the rock of my salvation. 
we together can sing, we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. He is our God. He's not just some abstract God out there. He's, he's our God. He's my God. Uh, the latest serial podcast, for those of you guys here into listening to serial, is about Bo Bergdahl. Now, some of you may remember that name. Bergdahl is the American soldier who was held captive by the Taliban for five years, and then he was controversially swapped for five members of the Taliban who were being held captive at Guantanamo Bay. And just recently, he's actually been charged with desertion and with endangering fellow, fellow soldiers. Well, what's the story behind all that? Well, for whatever reason, and this is what this podcast is exploring, uh, one day in 2009, he simply walked off his post and was captured by the Taliban. The army at first didn't know why he had gone. They didn't know where he was. They just knew he was missing and presumed captured. And so they spared no expense in trying to find this one soldier. Uh, they ordered his disappearance prompted what's called a dust one, duty status whereabouts unknown. But they were going to find him, and so they went into action. Uh, planes, helicopters, uh, elite forces, special forces. One writer said it created a ripple effect across the entire country of Afghanistan because they were pulling people from here and there and all over because their policy is we're not leaving any one man out there on his own. We're going to go and find this soldier, even though it looks like he was a deserter. The Bible, y'all, the Bible says we're all deserters. The Bible says we're all deserters. We've all walked away from God. And today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what that means is God went looking for you. When you had walked away from God, God went looking for you. God spared no expense in finding you. God swapped his son, so to speak, for you. He gave up his only son to rescue you. Then he sent people to find you to, to make sure you heard the message of the gospel. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to change your heart so that you could hear the gospel and believe the gospel and rest in Jesus Christ. And he did all this even though he knew, he knew that you had willingly walked away from your post. You had willingly walked away from God. He looked for you and he rescued you because he treasures you. Why should we worship God? Check out the stars at night. Check out whatever photograph NASA's put up on the internet recently. He made all of that. Why should we worship God? When you were Bo Bergdahl, when you deserted God, He came after you. That's the why of worship. He's our maker and He's our Savior, Redeemer. So we worship Him. The what of worship, the why of worship, the how of worship. How do we respond to this Maker, Redeemer, God and what He's done? 
We, we, we treasure Him and we give Him what He's worth. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We respond to who God is. Part of our worship is our faith and our obedience. We, we present ourselves as servants to the very one who has made us and saved us. See, our, our problems with sin, are at, they're really at their heart, they're worship problems. Am I going to worship God? Am I going to worship money? Am I going to worship what people think about me? Who am I really going to worship at the end of the day? And so the, the how of worship, part of it involves simply everyday obedience to God. That's part of our worship, Romans 12 says. But this also involves, as we see in the psalm, us coming together as his people to praise him, worshiping him with our words. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And so every Lord's Day, week after week, we're called out of our normal, everyday routine labors. And we're called to come together as God's people to come and to worship him with singing, with thanksgiving. Uh, our, our worship service each week, we start with a call to worship. Last week we used verses 1 and 2 of this very psalm. Today we use verses 6 and 7 of this psalm. The, the call to worship is God calling His people, hey, come together and let's do what we're here to do. Let's do what we're made to do. Let's worship the Lord. Let's center ourselves on the one we're made to center ourselves on. After the call to worship, what do we have? We have an invocation where we ask God to be present to bless what we're doing here. We might taste something of His greatness and His goodness and, and see the glory of the Gospel. And then we sing songs of praise. We, we praise the Lord. And then what do we do? Well, we do what they do in the psalm. It's, it says, let us, let us humble ourselves. And so we do that by confessing our sins to Him. A great place to see this is in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah gets to go into the throne room, throne room of God. And there's this call to worship, to, to worship God. And, and what does Isaiah say? Isaiah says, Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah confesses his sin in the presence of a holy God. See, we, we want to encounter God, but a true encounter with God shows us who we are and leads us to confession and to confess our sins as Isaiah did. But do you know what happened to Isaiah next? There's this an, angelic being that, that comes along and takes a burning coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's lips with it and says, your guilt has been taken away and your sin has been atoned for. I know your sin, Isaiah. I know your sin. But your sin has been forgiven. Every week, we confess our sins. But then we hear words of assurance. 
we hear the gospel, we remember the gospel, we hear the, the good news that if we are in Jesus, if we are resting in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, then those sins have been forgiven. We're called to worship. We praise Him. We confess. We hear words of assurance. And then when we do what we're doing now, we, we listen to His Word. Uh, verse 8, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts as they did on the way to the promised land. Listen, God says, to my Word. And so we listen to His Word. Uh, every week, we hear God's Word to us. Every week, we hear the proclamation of the Gospel to us. What are you doing with that Word? What are you doing with that Word? Are, are you listening to that Word? Are you repenting of your sins? Are you learning to rest, not in your works, but in the finished work of Jesus Christ on your behalf? What are you doing with the Gospel? To worship God is to hear His Word and to receive it, rest in it, act upon it. Uh, other ways in the Bible you see the people of God responding to Him and worshiping Him, giving Him what He is worth, is they bring an offering. Uh, responding by giving a tenth of what God has given to them. Now, you, you'll notice we don't, and most of you know, we don't pass a plate here at Grace, but we, we have a box in the back, and that's not a tip for donuts box. Um, but, but, but that's actually our, that's, although you can if you want to, they're good donuts. Um, that's actually our offering box. We practice what is called a retiring offering. As you drop it in as you leave, or if you prefer, when you come in. But we, we respond to who God is by seeking to give Him something of what He's worth. Uh, every week here at Grace, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And that's an opportunity for us each week to be reminded of the Gospel. We hear the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. And then you get to come up here and you get to, to see the gospel as it were and taste the gospel and commune with the risen Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ and be reminded, yes, it's true. You're loved. Your sins are forgiven. If you are in Christ, rejoice in that. And then we leave with God's words of blessing and the benediction. Worship while we all want to get something out of it, right? That's important to us, and, and that's, that's right. We do want to get something out of it. But it's not mainly about what we get out of it. It's more about us seeing what God is worth and treasuring Him and responding by giving Him what He's worth. Um, I was watching Andy Griffith Friday night with the kids, and if you don't think Andy's cool, then you're just dumb. But, um, but, but I was right up there with Breaking Bad for me, and whatever that says. Uh, but anyway, uh, on, on Andy Griffith, Aunt B had picked out some something she wanted her for her birthday, and I'm not even—they called it a bed jacket, and I don't know what what it was. It's like this weird '60s house coat thing. But uh, but anyway, she wanted this bed jacket. And she was trying to drop subtle hints to Andy to get this. And, you know, he's Andy and he doesn't get the message. And so he gets her 12 canning jars so she can can green beans. And she thinks she had gotten the message and so she's devastated. 
And he figures out what's happened. And so he goes back to the store to buy this bed jacket, but the last one's been sold and there's no like UP, oh, you know, there's no Amazon. It's going to be a week before another one comes in. The mayor has bought the last one for his wife. And so Andy goes to the mayor and says, can I buy this bed jacket from you? The mayor's like, gets a little gleam in his eye. Well, I'll sell you the bed jacket if you'll sell me that fishing rod I've been trying to buy off of you that catches fish every time you cast. And at first, Andy's like, no, I'm not selling you my fishing rod. But then he says, you know, he gets that Andy look, like, okay, I'm going to do the right thing. And so he sells him the fishing rod so that he can buy the bed jacket and give it to Aunt B. Why did he part with something so valuable to him? Because he wanted to give Aunt B what she was worth. He wanted to give her what she was worth. He wanted to honor her. Worship is our giving God our time, our words of praise, our talent, our treasure. It's, it's giving him what he's worth, even though it does cost us. Now, it's the what, the why, and the how. Let me say four randomly practical things for us as, as we close. The, 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 the worship ministry team, what these folks do is they make everything happen that you see happen on Sunday morning. That's from people taking signs home and then bringing them back here, getting here early enough to putting them on, uh, bringing the communion elements, buying the communion elements, baking bread, music people showing up, setting up all of this stuff. Uh, Dwayne's not on the worship team, but he comes in and he sets up I guess he should be. He's an honorary member. He sets up all these chairs for us every week. Uh, all of these things that go into making worship happen, these folks are responsible for making sure that, that happens. So, first of all, thank you to everybody who does that. And, and, and look around if you're not on that team. Find somebody that you see doing this and, and tell them thank you for doing this. Um, and if you're asked you know, at some point, hey, we need you to watch the nursery. Hey, could you make communion bread? Remember that when you do these things, you're helping worship. You're enabling God's people to come in here and give Him what He's worth. Uh, secondly, pray for what goes on in here on Sunday morning. That we would do this well. That we would do it with excellence. That God would be praised uh, and that we would be blessed and that lives would be changed as we worship God. Thirdly, um, I know I harp on this all the time, but, but you got a bulletin. You got a bulletin. Don't throw it away. You don't have to frame it <laughs> or anything like that. But, but, but take it home and make use of this. Use it with your family. If, if worship's such a great thing, we're trying to center our lives on God, sit down with your family and sing one or two of these songs. Or use this for your morning devotions or evening devotions or whenever you do that. What if you started today not just with a Bible study where you picked a passage and read and thought about it, as, as good as that is, but what if you started actually with, hey, I'm made to worship God. How do I get that in gear? Maybe I could read this call to worship and remind myself of what I'm supposed to be about. Maybe I could sing this song, and maybe you need to sing it silently, but maybe I could sing one of these songs. Or maybe there's a point in, in your week where you're like, I, I, I know I need to confess my sins, and I, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read through 
and pray this confession of sin. Or maybe the, the, the reality of your sin is all too, it, it's all too aware to you. You're very aware of your sin. And you need to be reminded of the gospel. And so you come and confess, but then you hear these words of grace. Make use of this. Use this in your personal worship. And then finally, I'll, I'll close with this. Who do you worship? Who do you worship? Ask yourself the question, who or what do I delight to praise? And in the answer to that question, you'll be getting close to find out, finding out who you truly worship. Let me pray for us. God in heaven, we are made to be a worshiping people. And uh, we know we do that poorly or, or, or not at all, it's saved by your grace. And so, Father, I pray that you would continue your work of grace in us, that you would continue to show us just who you are and what you have done for us in Christ, uh, and that we would more and more treasure you uh, and more and more delight to give you what you are worth. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.